0: Uh, let's thank the Lord. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for revisiting your son's work, his teaching, his exposure of himself to death. For our sake, we'd ask that you would bless our meditations on it. In your son's name, amen. Now, two, two, uh, Weeks ago? Was it two weeks ago? What? Three weeks ago? I forget when I started in John. It was John 9. And so we're in John 11. Yeah, two weeks ago. I inadvertently taught out of John 9. Then it looked like John 10 was really good, so I taught out of John 10. Well, when that happens, you've got to look at John 11, which we're in. And then you realize John 12 is Palm Sunday, which is the triumphal entry. Ah! But then it goes to pieces, because the resurrection is not for eight chapters after that. So I'm going to have to figure out what to do on Easter, because it's not going to just give me the next chapter on the resurrection. But be aware of that uh, if you feel that something is turning into a series. This is just the next good, thing, next good thing to be speaking of. Now... One of the things we've been reminding you of in this section of John, all the way back to John 5, probably, maybe someone will remember um, earlier, but in John 2, it says, 1, he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs, which he did. But Jesus did not trust himself to them because he knew all men and needed no one to bear witness of man for he himself knew what was in man. And it then proceeds to let you know what's in man. In a series of references they um, uh, try to kill him. Uh, Verse 16 of chapter 5. This is why the Jews persecuted Jesus because he did this on the Sabbath. Um then in John 7 he decides he's not going to hang out in Judea anymore because they're trying to kill him and that just keeps happening no matter who he talks to they want him dead by the end of the conversation what is, you know, the, the most correct religious nation in history God has been made his name to dwell in their capital gave them his temple, his priesthood, his laws they were more right than anybody and he came to them, and they repeatedly try to kill him. Until he finally goes, well, he starts here. Uh, this chapter is one more situation where it's a, um, uh, one more situation where it's uh, um, um, another burr under the saddle of the, uh, the Jews, and by the end of it, they want him really dead. This is the raising of Lazarus in chapter 11. Um, You know the story. Uh, He has been across the Jordan at the end of chapter 10, and that's where all the disciples of John had been, and they remember John, and they said, this guy is something. This is what John prophesied with this guy. Many believed in him there. The next verse is, now a certain man... Was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, which is interesting because he makes that note, though it's in the next chapter. You know, it's. um, Whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. I always liked thinking about Jesus Christ, having relationships that were closer. He's not, I'm here as God, and I love everyone so much that how could I tell the difference between people? It seems that he liked certain people. He really liked this family, two sisters and a brother. They knew they were loved by him. He knew he loved them. But then it gets... Then it gets odd. He whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness is not unto death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by means of it. That's sort of a thematic statement he's telling you at the very beginning. This is the glorification of the Son, because that's what the glory of God Means so that the Son may be glorified by means of it. It's not about death. It's not about dying. So you have to remember that, because sometimes we we all face death. Some families, um, the Nicholas has just lost theirs, The Brian just lost his dad. We face death, the the loveless... uh, 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 grandma a few months ago. And we have a story about the resurrection of Lazarus, the bringing him back to life. Why wouldn't it be about death? I don't know if it ever bothered you. Do you ever, do you ever think that miracles should be permanent? That if Jesus heals you of your sicknesses, you will never get sick again. If you were raised from the dead, you are now like Thor or um, somebody immortal. Someone who can't be killed because Jesus raised you from the dead. He just puts you back into a mortal position. You still, germ theory still worked on you. You fell off a balcony, you still died. You weren't impervious, you weren't unbreakable. So I want you to be thinking that not only is Lazarus' illness not about death, Because you say, hold it, it's not unto death, but he dies. Yes, he does. The Lord knows that. But it's not about death. And sometimes... When we're sitting in a situation where we're carrying the load of a family member sick, some situation where you could lose a loved one. We're we're crafting all of our negotiations with God on the basis of Lord, him whom you love, Lord if you love this person, if this is the don't you care we care about this person. The sisters are caring about their brother. He's sick unto death. Lord, you love him. Um, we, you need to know. Remember, he's, he's up the road a piece. I don't know how many miles. Maybe 20 miles, 30 miles. Uh, up the road past Jericho, across the Jordan. Bethany is down on the east side of the Mount of Olives from Jerusalem. So it goes Jerusalem, as you look at it, Mount of Olives, Bethany, and then uh, long road Jericho. Then you get to the Jordan. And that's where he's been hanging out. So he hears, at a distance, this news about his friend. But he wants you to be thinking something else. This is not about death. And it then tells you, verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It's, they, weren't, they weren't just juicing the report when they said, He whom you love is ill. It informs you that Jesus, in fact, yes, loved these three people. So when he heard that he was ill, he rushed to town and healed him of his illness the end. So when he heard that he was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was, Then after this, he said to his disciples, "Let us go into Judea again." So it lets you know he gets the message. Lazarus is ill. Jesus says, "This is for the glorification of God, His Son." Let's, uh, let's not rush. Let's not rush off to our the person we love who's really, 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 really sick, really sick, unto death. We know that. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were but now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? What I want to encourage you to do is look at life, look at your life, look at the relationships you have, look at the deaths you face. You will, I tell young couples this who come for marriage counseling, because I'm just that kind of guy. One of you is going to watch the other one die. Okay? unless you just have bad driving habits and you both can go out together. One of you is going to watch the other one die. All of you children, to one degree or another, you're going to watch your grandparents, then your parents die. Maybe we ought to figure something out here. This has been going on for millennia. And when we are told, when Christ steps into the middle of this and just turns it on his head. He does not. With people he loves. You've got the juju. You're Tim the magician. The person you care about is in Gritman. You decide to go off to Spokane for the weekend without even visiting your dying friend you have the juju you can raise him up put him back on his feet because when the Lord says this is not unto death it's not about death it's about the glory of God you have to take him seriously because he's laying out a plan he's doing something he knows what he's about he said when he heard he said let's stick around here two more days let's wait this one out He sort of addresses it in verse 9 when the disciples warned him about going back. Remember, this whole thing from chapter 5 on is the Jews trying to kill him. He hadn't been going into Judea of recent because they want to kill him. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Grasshopper. Oh man, what is this, a Facebook quote contest? We were putting stuff up here that just sounds really important, but we don't have a clue. Remember, he is doing this. He is walking through the death of a friend, differently, with everything kind of sideways, bizarro world, going back into Judea, because Bethany is right next to uh, Jerusalem. Basically, he's saying, if I were to sum up that platitude or that epigram or whatever you want to call it, bit of wisdom, is I know where I'm going. I can see where I'm going. Because, as he pointed out earlier in the book, he's the light of the world. While there's light, you can get things done. But I have to be able to see by Jesus Christ. So when you're dealing with family tragedy, you have an obligation to stop and see the world by Jesus Christ. Because the rest of the world, they're without hope or without God in the world. They're just sad. They're just miserable. They're only lost. Thus he spoke, verse 11, and then he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awake him out of sleep. And it's like how people um, like to use euphemisms for death. You know, they've passed on. They have crossed over. Jordan. They have... Kicked the bucket, which is not usually used in an encouraging way. But there's the Lord. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. A little bit too vague. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover because he's sick. And we have hope because he's our friend, our friend too. And we want him to feel better. So if he's fallen asleep... So it wasn't a usual euphemism for death, as far as we can tell. Or they're really dumb. Jesus knows, yep, they're really dumb. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Probably in that tone of voice. He's dead, Skippy. We waited two extra days to be sure he would be dead. Lazarus is dead. Now I wanted, this is in red for you to take and say, oh, at least the pastor thinks this is an important part. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. What is wrong with this Messiah? He's got the juju, he's been raising people from the dead, he's been healing the sick. Just a couple chapters earlier, the man born blind is given his sight But remember, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also go that we may die with him. That's Thomas, doubting Thomas. He's always, he's got a cynical view of everything, I think. But uh, he says noble things. My Lord and my God at one point in here, let us go and we'll die with him. I mean, this guy is stepping into it. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother with a lot more alacrity, you might say, than Jesus. They had gotten there quickly. Shows how much you care. You hop a flight, fly out there, be with them, You all know what it's like. You've been through it. You've seen your parents deal with it. Jesus is going, yeah, I know he's sick. Hang on a second. Give it a few more days. Just make sure he's cold. Four days, none of that. Oh, maybe he's in a coma. No, he's dead. Because this is not about him dying. This is about the glory of God. And you better submit your story of what it is to die. You to die. Better submit your story to the glory of God. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary sat in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Oh, really? Because I'm glad I wasn't there. Just saying. Back in verse 15, I'm glad I wasn't there, Martha. She's going, but but, 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 if you've only been there. He's glad he was not there because he's about the glory of God. He's glad he was not there because he's about your belief. He'll show up too late. Even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now there's a lot of people you can look at this passage and and pull something out that I am not seeing or choosing not to talk along the line of but I see this basic tension kind of it's almost a number of axes on it and one is what Jesus is up to what the devout followers of Jesus wish he was up to and what their actual human relationship was We sometimes see the love of God in Christ for these people. We know that a little bit later, it talks about him weeping. He's going to, I'm going to spoiler here, he's going to raise him from the dead. He let him die so he could do that. What's he doing crying? Just deal with that a little bit. We often disagree, even though we're devout, even though we don't know the plan of the glory of God. We have definitions, we have theologies. When somebody asks, why is there a problem with evil in the world? Or why did so-and-so have to suffer? Why did this small child pass away? Why didn't God save... You hear that from atheists all the time. God doesn't do anything. He doesn't, frankly, save his friends. Not just he didn't save a baby in Pakistan, he didn't save his friend who he knew was dying. And he did it not by forgetfulness, but by intention, staying away, because you know, some things are more important in history than you dying. I know you're the hero of this story. And so when the hero dies, I know it's important. But sometimes we are measuring the circumstance far more differently than Christ. Because when Martha, who is a dear woman, I'm sure, a little bit obsessive about the kitchen, dear woman, friend of Jesus, how many people could say that? Friend, family, friends, Jesus Christ, Son of God. She's got something on her resume. And she's a uh, little. She's, uh, If you had been here, sent you a message. You didn't show up. But even now, okay, we can get around this problem. We can get around this. uh, Even now, there is hope. What does he say? Uh, You could have done something. Even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, I won't want to put a word in. So. When we try to plan the situation, when it doesn't go according to our plan because we're not about the glory of God, we're about keeping all of our friends' lives alive. It's amazing how we can just not care, a bus drives off the side of a mountain in Calcutta Forty-eight die, or in those buses over there 300,000 die, one bus. We don't care. But Aunt Mabel suddenly passing away, you bet, we care. Why didn't God do something? Didn't answer my prayers. We we, we punish God with disbelief. You didn't do something. I'm not going to believe it anymore. Or you go talk to your pastor, talk to your friends, read some scriptures, read a book on grieving, find some solace in your definitions, in your theology. Jesus said to her, verse 23 Your brother will rise again. This guy is just brutal. Ah, Lazarus 6, just hang on for a second. Not going there, not going there. He's dead now. Let's go see him. Meets the grieving sister on the road. She kind of a little passive-aggressive, a little bit, you know, um, could have done something. And he comes back with this simplistic, you know, there's a resurrection of the dead. You know he will rise again. Martha's not having much of it. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last... you can see the teeth a little clenched (coughs) Jesus said to her I am the resurrection and the life you know the passage I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me though he die yet shall he live and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this? He wasn't getting a simple Bible answer. You know, there's the resurrection of the dead. They live on after life. A lot of religions have that live on after life stuff. Jesus is not just. He's not, obviously, he's setting people up for, I don't like God because he lets people die. Those people are problematic. Some of us take refuge in our theology because there's a resurrection of the dead and that helps us feel better that we'll see Aunt Mabel again someday if Aunt Mabel was a believer. So it only works for about 5% of the population. The rest of the time you gotta be telling yourself, Aunt Mabel, who was difficult, has gone on to her reward and I probably won't be seeing her again. What do you do with your theology? It doesn't always really give you a lot. But Jesus Christ gives you a lot because he is the resurrection, he is the life, if you believe in him, though you die, yet shall you live. This is no longer about whether you added a theologically defensible answer that could answer some agnostic about bad things that happened in the world. This is about you and Jesus Christ. Is your circumstance when you go through that which seems dark when family suffers or friends suffer remember if you walk there in the light you will see where you're going Jesus Christ is the light he is the resurrection he is the life they're walking into a bees nest of bad Jewish behavior Thomas is expecting to die with him. They've been sneaking around. We've seen this in the last few chapters. Getting out of the way of Jews who want, have outed for Jesus Christ. You're going to go back to within two miles of Jerusalem. Do you believe this? Because remember, this is not about the death of Lazarus. Because, I, again, a spoiler, he dies again it wasn't a permanent fix. We don't Lazarus is not some 2000-year-old guy who just can't die living in Palestine. He died again. His life in this world is not that important. Whoever lives and believes shall never die. Whoever dies and believes shall live. She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, he who is coming into the world. Remember, he is not here. He did not live out his life on earth to fix the world. Did you notice that? Those of us who want to have religions that that are busy fixing things for everybody, just like... You know, social liberals who are out there trying to get the government to fix everything for you. So sometimes the church is out there to fix everything for you. Stop the hungry from being hungry. Stop the poor from being poor. Stop the sick from being sick. Jesus goes, you know, I, I could have done all that. Still can. Not doing it. Because the good and the bad that happens in this life... Is the lesson that we have because of the fallenness of man. And Jesus Christ's goodness to us in this life, his healing the blind man, his raising of Lazarus, is only illustrative. It is not to keep Lazarus alive. What was that? There was a movie with Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep and, uh, what's his name? Die Hard. Bruce Willis. Death Becomes Her. Was it Death Becomes Her? Well, these two women are fighting over one guy, and they find out separately that they could drink a potion and never die, no matter what happened. And so, they get into this long fight. They finally make it up, friends, after having blown a hole with a shotgun through one of them. I think Goldie Hawn has a hole like this in her. They just fill it with body putty, and she goes on because she can't die. We're not what kind of world would you want that kind of world? You want that kind of situation where your your dear wife is now feebly reaching out for heaven and glory on the hospital bed, and you say, No, I've got the power. I can reanimate this. She's going, Oh, please don't reanimate me. Going on to be with the Lord. But no. The fallenness of creation is just the worst. He's not here to fix it. When he fixes something in it, it's here to illustrate something for you. His glory, his power, his authority over nature. He is the resurrection. And Lazarus being brought back to life to die a few minutes later, you might say in cosmic time, isn't a... Well, it's amazing, but it's not really permanent. What do you believe? He leans into Martha and goes, do you believe this? Not do you believe your Sunday school lessons, there is the resurrection. Oh, yeah, I know that. No, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Do you believe this? And she confesses that belief. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary. Mary saying quietly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. It lets you know that she said it quietly because Mary was in the house with all these people from Jerusalem. And it lets you know that they didn't know what had transpired. She said quietly and when she heard it she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her saw Mary rise quickly that's why it tells you it was said quietly so that they didn't know consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Then Mary, when she came where Jesus was and saw him, fell at his feet, saying to him, just like her sister, just not like Jesus Christ, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You wonder if the irony of that remark comes across Jesus' mind? Isn't going? You know, I said something almost just like that a few days ago. Uh, I'm glad I was not here. So that you may believe. Mary and Martha wanted him there because they didn't want to lose their brother. Mary and Martha, self-interested. Not a problem to be self-interested. Not a problem to be see death as a, as a damage in the creation. But the Lord's not thinking that. And if the Lord's not thinking that, if the Lord has a way for you to believe, for you to walk through the damage of this life, the chaos of things, and he takes His the people he loves, his best of friends, and says, let's walk through this together, shall we? Okay, so I'll have you die, and you be sad. And then you, being sad, blame me for him dying, and you're quite right, because I did, I just stayed away, with all my power, because I really want you to see this world the way I see it. I want you to walk through it in light and know where you're going. Because we, Thomas, the twin, he goes, this is all a political problem here. We're going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill us. I guess we'll die with him. He had uh, noble responses, loving responses, all of it defined by the way they saw the world, not the way Christ saw the world. But I saw something interesting here. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and say. Jesus wept. Now, just because he knows he's going to raise him from the dead doesn't mean Lazarus didn't die. Whatever death is, whatever transition, whatever ailment, whatever sickness destroyed him, took him away, put him in the tomb, started decay. It's it's there for Jesus too. When he is dying, though he knew what he was doing, he knows what he's doing here. He knows what he's doing on the cross. He still cries out to God, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's acquainted with grief because it's no less real, it's just not well lit. What if you knew everything that was going to happen? And you knew that someone was going to give you a gazillion dollars after breaking your leg. Your leg's not broken yet. There's a gazillion dollars on the other side of today. But before tomorrow, they're going to break your leg. You know, do broken legs still hurt? I believe they do. I mean, this is a bad break, too. This is not just a fracture, not a hairline. Uh, Oh, maybe I sprained it. No, the bone's sticking out of the skin. They broke it. Gazillion dollars. Do you know how many casts you can buy for a gazillion dollars? You know the best reconstructive surgeons? Podiatrist. Is that what you get for a leg? A or something. Foot. And then, of course, all the jet skis you could ever want. Gazillion dollars. You're still going to cry about the leg. It's still going to hurt. You get out of the greatest looking forward to the end, and Christ coming, and you going to be with him in death, and you know it still hurts to die. Not because you're attached to it, because it hurts to die. And it hurts to be in life with the mourning of your friends. They were still really hurting. The crowd's crying. Mary's crying. Jesus is crying. So don't think... You know, sometimes with... uh, I'm not a real emotional guy. And I apologize. I don't want to have you think that I'm recommending some stoic If you see things as Christ sees it, you just don't care no the Lord cared and he knew exactly he wasn't being convinced that he was going to oh my gosh they're really sad I better raise them from the dead no he let him die so that he could glorify himself in the resurrection of Lazarus story over but Lazarus still got his leg broken the Jews said see how he loved him but some of them said, "Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying?" Because you're going to turn one of those ways, you're going to start to punish God for not seeing the world the way you see it. Because Aunt Mabel is just your favorite aunt. Couldn't he have done this? Can't God? Where's the power of God? You, in omnipotent power, you say. Doesn't he care? This is a great passage. Yeah, he lets people he loves die. Just for the lesson. Oh yeah, he'll weep with you. And it'll be, he'll really care. But it's bigger than this. But some people will want to punish God for being not there, ready to take on the light you shine on your life. Remember, he said... There are 12 hours in the day. Anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble. Each one of you, we got new flashlights the other day at Costco. What was it Costco? Little flashlights to go in the car. Bright LED things. And boy, it changes everything. Because not seeing where you're going and seeing where you're going is, is different. But you've also seen those daylight bulbs versus soft light bulbs because I've mistakenly brought daylight bulbs for the house. Well, it looks like a cold factory in there because it's all this blue light that's uh, unpleasant. The kind of light you walk in. We expect God to walk in our light. If God you know, could come and be with us and be incarnate, we sometimes take that as a bright check that he is going to be able to You know, see our way. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, because she's used to working in the kitchen, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. For he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Did he? Not? Well, yeah, I go back up the page. There it was. Did she believe? Yes, Lord, I believe. She had believed. She had taken on the truth of Christ's light. Her brother was still dead. Jesus was still late. Everybody's crying. She's willing to live in that situation with just the answer of, I believe you are the resurrection. You are the Christ. You are the son of God. I believe. Jesus reminds her, look, the lesson's not done. I'm going to do something. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said Father I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I knew that thou hearest me always but have said this on account of the people standing by that they may believe that thou didst send me. All of this is about how, where is your belief and how ready are you to believe the light that Christ is in your life. Rather than your own light. Rather than your own trials and your own crises. His light informs you more clearly that you will see the glory. You will see the resurrection. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with bandages and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The miracle part went pretty quick and uh, snappy. He just goes, okay, I set all this up. Everybody's standing around crying. Didn't I tell you about belief? Isn't it about who I am and the light I am? It's not your theologies. It's not your definitions. It's Christ himself who is the light. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? What she claims, because he said, if you believed, I would have shown you the glory. He shows her the glory, the power that he has. Man dead for four days is dead, dead. Not just sleeping. So, what do you do? Some people are pushed to greater belief. Martha and Mary have believed the more before he raised their brother. The light was coming on for them. Some of the Jews seeing the miracle, the light comes on a bit for them, they believed. Verse 45. And now you have to ask yourself, where are you? Because... You, you're operating on some sort of a system of light. You have some lights that are on. You've crafted a way that you keep yourself from stumbling. The Jews had that. When it says some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done, that's where that circumstance happens, where the high priest Caiaphas says the prophecy, you know, we've got to kill this guy. It is expedient, what is the phrase? Do you, not, you do not understand that it is expedient for you that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation should not perish. And he didn't know he was prophesying because they want him dead so bad. But even their prophecies, are, their, their, their threats of murder and injustice are an insight into the future. That's what some of them ran off to do because... There's a lot of lights claiming to be lights in this world. You might just have your own that's called my job and my family and my white picket fence and the dog that plays in the yard and whatever it is that you do that brings you peace, that you think you have an understanding. Don't fight. Because if you have this light, then it's not Jesus Christ. When the, the realities of death come on, you're going to be wanting to blame God because he did not support the light that you had brought into your life. But, Lord, I, I, I was going to build bigger barns. You fool, tonight your soul will be required of you. Then where will your money be? What do you, what do you think? God's here to have everything work out for you. So if you have a separate light, the Jews said, He's going to do something. The Romans are going to come in and destroy our holy place and our nation. If people believe in this Jesus guy. Because they have a holy place and a nation that was their light. That was their world. That was their power grip. They even want to, in the next chapter, they want to kill Lazarus. Because he is so people are going, this guy was raised from the dead. So they got to kill Lazarus and Jesus. How'd you like that little gift from the Lord? Yeah, I'm going to let you die slowly, painfully, in sickness. Show up a few days late, you're lying in the tomb, suddenly you'll be resurrected, and then all the religious authorities kill you. Thank you. I like this Jesus' light. But Jesus' light is the glory of Christ. It is the resurrection. This life, this resurrection isn't the resurrection that Lazarus is looking forward to. Nor is it the one we ought to be looking forward to. If Christ likes your life you are satisfied not giving God an excuse. You are satisfied with the resurrection that he offers. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your word the resurrection of your Son. We look forward to thinking about it more over the next few weeks. Help us preach the resurrection of your Son and of the saints, that we would be representing the light that your Son has brought to this world. And in his name we pray. Amen.